Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is intended to inspire you and help give solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is given by Jason McCutcheon on the topic of storytelling. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, check out our website at bccma.org, or you can send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Jason McCutcheon. Well, I guess there's nothing more emotional and wonderful than what I'm about to get to do, and that's for a man to introduce his son to preach the Word of God. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know anybody who loves Jesus more than my son does. He's done a, a, a lot of reverse mentoring. Um, I've learned a lot about how to do my job better through watching him, through conversations with him. Um, you know, Jay's a strong person, a strong opinionated person, but people don't always realize how, how soft his heart is and how deep he goes and how much he loves people and how much he cares. He cares about the work of God so very much. I mean, with every fiber he's been, he's, he's a guy who proves that sleep is overrated. He worked hard. And I appreciate him and Mary, and, and I'm really glad they gave me a grandbaby. That, that's an, another grandbaby, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> so um, without any, what, what is ado? We always talk about that. I don't know. A delay? Without any further ado, <laughs> I'll introduce Jason McCutcheon. Thank you very much. We got, uh, we got a dude at the airport this week, so twice. <laughs> uh, so, no, before I get started, I wanted to just say what a privilege it's been to serve and um, what a great opportunity I've had. Um, you guys are so supportive. When I go to other youth pastors and I'm like, talk about literally anything about their job, and I always hear like how hard it is to get anything done at their church and how nobody cares and nobody's supportive and all these things. And that's, not only is that not our pastor, that isn't you guys from supporting shareholders and investing financially and in prayer when we need volunteers, whatever it is. And so, um, you know, I believe in seed planting. um, And I think it's really, really important. You're part of a community. And, and, you know, one of the symbols of a community is a table, right? And... You know, what goes on a table represents really community and connecting. And, and so what's on this table is all the Tupperware people gave me when, <laughs> when we had our baby. So if you want to pick it up after service, it's right there. <laughs> uh, yes! Oh, it worked. <laughs> um, so we have... We had an awesome thing a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to, one of the things you guys have supported us in um, financially, and guess what? By supporting this financially, there was like 600 kids at this event from all different churches. Yeah, it was awesome. People were really, really blessed. Like, churches were like, oh, wow. Like, there's this many kids in our district and in our fellowship and hanging out. And so it was amazing. Kids were filled with the spirit. It was awesome time. It was called Block Party. We did it with our friends over at Liberty and uh, also Calvary. A lot of the big churches in our district came together and actually did something together, which was, like, unified and worked together. And actually, you know what? It works. 
when you work together with people, amazing things happen. So I want to show you guys a little video of that um, because I, I really think um, it'll encourage somebody. And now, now we got to do it again. So I'm not going to be totally out of youth ministry. Um, a bunch of us are going to be planning already for next year and a couple, hopefully some other events. Um, but but um, youth ministry is one of my passions in life. It's something, I love it because honestly, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the things that go with being a grown-up. <laughs> so like... I like a lot of the things that go with, man, be, be, it's funny though, because when you're a teenager, it's such a terrible time, like in so many ways, like you look back now and you look back like, oh, so great, I wish I was a teenager again, but do you remember how you felt when you were a teenager? Like mostly terrible, like super insecure, terrified of everything, having no idea what your life was about to be about, you know, but I remember when I was a teenager, like I got really obsessed with movies. Like, I, I was obsessed with movies. I would literally, because it was back in the day when, which, by the way, this was such a great ritual, renting movies. I loved it. And I would go, and, and like I, we, I would rent three or four movies every weekend and just, like, buzz through them. Like, I loved movies. And, you know, I liked stories. I loved comic books growing up. Like, I still love comic books, to be honest. But he's... I think this concept of stories is pretty much like the reason that I liked movies so much. I liked the stories they told. I liked being able to connect with stories. And, and I think stories are like one of the most, like single most important concepts that runs through human like history and society. And it's like a thread that connects us together, right? Every culture tells stories. You know, we use it to understand pretty much everything from our past. We, you know, pretty much when we talk about World War II, we go, Nazis bad, Axis good. You know, Axis wins, 1950s happen. You know, we have a story behind it. History is a story. You know, we use it to talk about the future. Like, we have a story we're telling ourselves about what the future is going to be like. You know, they're also a lot of fun. Like, that's my thing with stories, is not only are they, are they important and they're meaningful, like, if you're going to teach a kid something, right, you teach them through a story. But they're, they're a lot of fun. So I want to answer three main questions today. Three main questions that have to do with stories and our own life and really our faith, our walk with Christ, and hopefully our destiny. And it says, and so the three questions are, why do stories matter? What is God's story? And how can I tell a better story for myself and others? 
Why do stories matter? What is God's story? And how can I tell a better story for myself and others? You know, like I said, I love movies. And I love them because they're great stories. And, and, and like, I watch movies and I'm like, didn't you see the subtext in that? I remember watching The Dark Knight and I'm like, oh, it's like nihilism, like Nietzsche. That's, that's the Joker. And other people are like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, no, it's like, it's like meaninglessness. Versus, and it's like, that's how I watch movies. <laughs> you know, it's like, I see this way that stories are just building so much ideas and philosophy and, and all these things. So I get tons of enjoyment and blessing from like the most inane things, the things that people don't even, they're like, why would you like that? So I've noticed this idea of storytelling um, pretty much has this, a thread in everything I gravitate towards. Like, I love storytelling. Um, ever since I was a kid, I would be like, I would be like oh, I want to draw. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be an artist, right? And so I'd be drawing pictures every day, and I'd be creating these worlds and these stories. I wanted, you know, I can't, okay, this is going to be like my OCD maybe, but anybody here refuse to play with two toys of two different sizes when you're playing action figures? Was I the only one? I would be like, that's an army man. He can't fight that man. They're disproportionate. They live in different universes. They can't play. They have to be the same size people. <laughs> that was because I wanted the story to work. I'm in this world. People are this size. Right? Unless he was a giant, of course. Um, you know, and, and so when I got older, I was really, I, I went towards music, right? And I loved punk rock, right? And I loved punk rock because punk rock was about storytelling, right? It was like, my dad likes country for the same reason, by the way. You know, it's, it's all storytelling. Some of you like hip-hop for the very same reason. It's all storytelling. I love music. I gravitate towards music. And then I was like, what's another way I could tell stories? Well, film, you know, visual communication, graphic design. Like, I pretty much gravitated towards any way I could communicate a story to people. And, and, and I think it's really interesting. And it's very telling about, I think, a lot of really, really human nature. Because I think a lot of you, if you look at your life, you've gravitated towards ways to tell your own story or to tell stories for a company. Or it's just communicating the messages behind these things. I gravitated towards that. And, and I really, like, for me now, a lot of you guys don't know this stuff, so I'm just going to kind of unload. Because <clears throat> I find, like, I looked at my social media the other day, and I was like, nobody would know anything about me. Like, they would know I have a child, which is great. You know what I would maybe want you to know, but I don't really talk a lot about, like, I, I run a company called High Sales Media. I, own, I run a wedding videography company as well. I teach high school um, still three periods a week, which is, in my opinion, a storytelling class. Um, I've been a youth pastor. I've served on the executive staff here at the church, and I, and I do all this um, pretty much every week. And, and people go, like, how do you balance it all? They're like, how do you balance all this stuff? How are you doing all this stuff? And I'm like, I'm doing one thing. I'm just storytelling. I have one job. I go and I storytell, whether I use a graphic design. I also have teams, by the way. I'm not just literally doing all these things myself. <clears throat> um, but all we're doing is storytelling at church. All I'm doing through weddings, our, literally our slogan is, your love is the story. Right? We're just storytelling. And I've gravitated towards that, and I find it really poignant. And so it's such a, like, an important part of who I am. So when you hear this sermon today, hopefully you'll understand me a little better, how I think and how I, what I think is important. But hopefully you'll also 
understand yourself and why you feel certain ways about how your life has turned out or where your life is going. Um, one of my favorite, um, he's not really one of my favorite writers. I like his speaking on his books. Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut has, he pretty much invented this thesis that there's basically like certain types of stories and he created this, um, this whole entire thing. And, and, and he really believes stories are how we tell each other about life. And so he made this, he basically said there's like eight types of stories and they have a chart to them. He would say like, you know, there's pretty much like man and whole, or a guy starts out up here and then he ends up here and then, oh, he ends up up here again, you know, or, you know, and there's all this analogies and classic ways that he tells his stories. And, and I like thinking about stories like that because it's really, what is the arc of this story? Is it going up? Is it going down? You know, a lot of us in our life, we think about our life in the same way and we don't really realize it. Like, we're looking at our life and we're like, I'm ascending. Someday I'm, gonna, I'm about to get here and it's going to be the best thing ever. And we're always looking at this next thing. It's going to be so great, right? You know, stories have a thing called a narrative arc. I don't know, anybody here into literature? Does anybody here know how to read? All right. So how many of you guys, let's just be really honest, um, only read when someone forces you to read? Okay. So this might be a little challenging today because I'm going to force you to actually get a little better, which is thinking about reading. Reading is important. Thinking is also important. Um, and so when you combine them together, you get your best self. So anyway, <laughs> elements of a narrative arc, right? So this is going to be like, why is he talking about this? This isn't preaching. I'm not the best preacher, all right? <laughs> I'm just going to be my best self. So elements of a narrative arc. First is exposition. So basically exposition is who, what, where, why, and when, right? So like this is where your exposition starts, and then you have your rising action, right? Which is... This causes everything to kick up, right? This rising action. And then you hit your climax. And then you have your resolution. Everything is back to normal, but different, right? You know, this is so fundamental, and we often don't really realize that this is how we see life. This is how we see everything, right? We've seen how we raised our kids this way. It's going to climax by me. Like, I'm looking at my daughter right now, and I'm like, when I walk her down the aisle, I'm going to be walking her down the aisle, and I'm going to be thinking, she's such a good person. I'm so proud of her. I totally trust the man she's marrying. I've got it all spelled, it out, spelled out already. Like, the climax of her life. <laughs> You know, and that, that's how we think of life, right? It's like we have these ideas, and that's why we're disappointed, right? But this, that's how it is, you know? It may seem pretty basic, but the first question I want to answer is, why do stories matter? Why do stories matter? I think I kind of outlined it a little, but our life is a story, it really is, you know, from the day we're born to the day we die. We're living out this story. And guess what? Not only are we living a story, but we're storytellers. We create stories. We create narratives around everything in our life. 
You know, you don't believe me? Okay, so let's, let's talk about the narratives we create. Story we have, the stories we tell, right? Okay, so you, you're going to start your day out. This is the narrative of your day. Start your day out, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be a great day. Then, suddenly, you're driving to work. Guy cuts you off. Rising action. That sets you on a tailspin. Why? I don't know why. These things just happen, right? You get cut off, suddenly you're angry. This is terrible, I'm upset, right? So then the tension builds, you get to work, the people are looking at you. What are they saying about me? Am I about to be fired? The tension builds, you're just, suddenly everyone at your work is out to get you. You created that story, by the way. <laughs> no one likes me at this place. Um, the person walks by you, doesn't say hi. They don't appreciate my work ever. Finally, you walk into your boss's office, say, nobody appreciates me around here. It climaxes with a big fight, and then he tells you, what are you talking about? And then you say, ah, oh, sorry, someone cut me off. <laughs> Falling action, everyone at your work stops respecting you. You're crazy, you get home, and you actually feel crazy, and then the next day you pledge never to do it again, and the cycle repeats. You know, we are storytellers, we make up this narrative, and we can do bigger and bigger and bigger, like I'm going to go to college, everything's going to be perfect, you get to college, you actually hate your major, you end up having to switch your major, you can't afford to keep switching your major, you pretty much hate the idea of college at some point, and then you end up taking a job you didn't want, and then everything's... Life is that way, right? And you define this climax, right? And then when it doesn't meet that expectation... It's pretty depressing. One could say anticlimactic. Is that, am I the only one who, like, almost everything in your life is way worse than you thought it was going to be? <laughs> like, when you imagined it in your mind, like, I'm going to go to this restaurant and have this amazing food. Like, pretty much the things that surpass your expectations are the things you had no expectations for. You, you were like, ah, I just went to this place. It was an amazing taco. I paid $4 for it. I never expected it. I promise you, if you pay $100 for a taco, no matter how good it is, you will hate it. <laughs> that's how it goes. You know, so why, this is, that's why this idea of teaching um, our stories to ourselves and to others is so critical. Because you're pretty much defining things. You know, the stories we tell are life-defining. We're defining our lives based on a series of stories that we tell ourselves and sequences and ideas of climaxes and all these concepts that we're setting up and we're saying, I'm happy with my life because, or I'm unhappy with my life because, right? The stories we tell are life-defining, not just for us. And so because it's a youth Sunday, I'll kick into some parenting stuff because I've worked with a lot of students and I've seen this and the reason I wanted to preach this as like my last youth pastory thing with this church is because if I could pledge or if I could implore you as parents to do one thing well is tell a good story to your kids about the church and about life. Don't give them crappy climaxes or we'll call them anti-climaxes. Oh, you're going to go, and it's going to be amazing. You're going to get this degree, and then finally you're going to get a job, and then you can help the world. 
oh, you're going to be, like, literally, I've literally heard a parent say one time, well, I want my daughters to be seen as sexy. But some of you don't say it, but you feel it. We think these things. We have these goals. We want, and maybe when that word sexy isn't the word, but I want them to be perceived a certain way. That has nothing to do with the way that God perceives them, by the way. But I want my kids to be perceived as smart. I want them to be perceived as successful. I want them to be perceived as good athletes. And you set this up as the climax for their life. And guess what? First of all, those are easy to do. Like, do you know how easy it is for a girl to get a like on Facebook with a bathing suit pic? She's pretty much achieved her life goal that you set out for her and but at 14, what, what now? It's not hard to do. And when we set these up as goals and say, this is the climax of your life, people approving of you. Your goal is to be liked. It's easy to do and it's not inspiring. And it's a ripoff because when they get it, they go, this is it? This is, this is crappy. Oh, but also you should love God in this weird, abstract way. So I want to play you guys a clip before we move on um, about really something. And by the way, I'm not saying this stuff is easy. Like, we're all screwed up people, not just like, just because you have kids doesn't mean you don't have issues. We're not supposed to, we can't be perfect. I think the key here is to be honest with kids and telling them like, hey, I don't have it all together. You need to be, you know, but also being intentional. And so this is a clip by one of my, and we're stealing a lot of material from this dude today. Um, Donald Miller talks a lot about story. He's a writer, but he's also a Christian. And he's here, he's talking about telling a better story to our kids. I have a friend whose daughter started doing drugs. She's 13, 14 years old, gothic gal. And we were getting together and, uh, and he was telling me, you know, she's dating this guy that I don't approve of. And I try to drag her to church and these kinds of things, and I'm, I'm listening to this, it just sounds like a bitter dad, you know? And I say to him, he says, you know, what, what should I do? And I said, you know, I think what she's choosing is, is to be wanted and needed. She gets to play something like a princess. You know, she knows she's designed for this role, right? And with this guy, even though he's a loser, she gets to play this role in this story because you've provided a story that's just not as good. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, no, did you... Everybody provides a story. As a pastor, you provide a story. As a dad, you provide a story. As a mom, you provide a story. As a teacher, you provide a story. And all she's doing is choosing a story that she likes better than your story. So he thinks about it. And he's like, well, what are they, well, how do I do that? You know, and I tell him. And he goes back. And he goes nuts. He goes home. And he says, he says to his family, he, guys, he gets them all together. You know, his wife, he and his wife are about to get a divorce. In her story, she thinks she's causing a divorce, Right? So he gets them together, he says, after about three weeks worth of research, he says, I found an orphanage in Mexico that needs a, I mean, I found a village in Mexico that needs an orphanage. Here's what's going to happen to these kids in this community if they don't get an orphanage. It's going to cost $25,000. We're in debt up to our heels. We don't have the money. And they're all looking at him like, so? You know? He says, we need to build it. We need to build it within two years. And if we don't build it, you know, some kids are probably not going to make it. And the family's just looking at him like, you're nuts. And after about a week, the daughter comes to him and says, you know, I have this MySpace page. Maybe I could, like, tell my friends about it and we could get some support. 
And then the son, he had a son. He said, we're going to need passports if we're going to go to Mexico. And, oh, you want to visit this? Yeah, we need to visit it. All of a sudden, his whole family is wrapped up. She ends up breaking up. The little girl ends up breaking up with the guy. You know, you know why she broke up with the guy? Because she's found a better story. And now she's telling the dude, she's like, you don't understand. I, I, I'm a hero in a sense. She doesn't have words. I'm a hero in this story. And you're a loser. So I'm done with you, right? As Christians... We've been hijacked by a different story and we're supporting a story that isn't as good as the story that God has provided for us. And as Christian leaders, we provide a great story for people to get wrapped up in. All right, thanks. So hopefully that kind of illustrates, I think, the way people think. They're going to pick the story that they gravitate towards, the one that makes them feel the way that they feel about themselves or what they feel they want to feel about themselves. I want to be the hero. I want to be wanted. I want to be loved. I want to be... We've all done it ourselves. You know, as a parent, I look forward to kind of this responsibility with Ellie. I think about it a lot. Is, you know, how do I set her on this path, you know? Because uh, I get to kind of choose a little for a while, you know? And, and I... I get to create her narrative. I get to tell her, like, these are the people that you should love and fear. These are the things that you should value. This is what's important in life. This is what's critically important. And when I think about that, like, it's a little intimidating, but, like, I'm excited about it. Even, like, this is what will make me proud of you. Like, can you, like, do you know what your kids think makes you proud? Do your kids think that you're proud of them and you're not? Or do they think that you're not proud of them and you are? Like, pretty important question, right? Because my dad always told me growing up, and I don't think he's super proud of my music um, or any of that stuff. Uh, I don't, he doesn't really care about really seemingly a lot of the, I think he's proud of me because I've accomplished things, but he's not like, wow, great filmmaking, Jay. Like, you are such a good wedding film person. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He always said to me growing up, hey, I'd get out of the car, go to some friend's house, and he'd be like, remember who you are. And that was it. So what I knew would make my dad proud was if I loved Jesus. What I knew would make him upset was if I didn't love Jesus. And I never had any other strings attached to the idea. It was never like, if I get a degree, or if I do this, or pretty much my dad would be like, whatever you want. Like, try. I mean, work hard. And in terms of that stuff, it was basically, you need to work hard, you need to be productive. But he didn't have this idea of what that looked like. He let me choose. And I think that's important with students, is letting them choose. But I think it's really, really also important to let them know what their values should be and what will make you proud. And what will make you feel so happy. And if you're letting them know what makes me, I don't really care if you go to youth group, but man, if you can make the all-star team, I will be so proud. They will do that. And then you're like, why don't they want to go to youth group? Because they, you don't care. And they know you don't care. And they're not going to do things that their parents don't care about. And believe it or not, we act like kids are rebellious. Kids, at the end of the day, the number one thing a student wants is for their parents to love them and be proud of them. And they will define their life based on what makes you proud. 
I've seen some moms who are so happy that their daughter's dating anyone that it doesn't matter who it is. So this is how, you know, it's intimidating because we have all this responsibility, but it's pretty high stakes. You know, I heard a lot of stories growing up in church and, you know, one of the stories I most heard would be like, you know, boy loves God, you know, and then boy goes to high school and then they would tell you, you're going to go to high school and there's going to be all this temptation, but guess what? Through the power of prayer and fasting, you're going to overcome all the temptation and evil. You'll never want to think about girls the wrong way. Everything will be perfect. You'll make it. Climax, you defeat evil. You overcome all your temptation and then you get to marry a really hot girl and then you get married and then everything's perfect. That's not a story that really happens, but that was kind of the story you were told in youth group a lot of times. And what actually happens is like, boy goes to the youth group and church and learns everything about God, gets in high school and experiences temptation, makes a lot of mistakes, and then they feel like crap about themselves, and then they feel like quitting, and then who knows what happens. You know, and that's, it's, that's not everyone's story, but it's a pretty normal story. And like, there's stories, you know, girl is smart, girl faces challenges at school, overcomes everything, gets the degree, also somehow also gets married at the same time as getting the degree, has four kids, but also a career, um, and doesn't gain any weight, actually. <laughs> girl lives happily ever after, they retire at 50, travel the world, all their kids give them a few grandkids, right? What actually happens, girl's smart, girl faces challenges at school and realizes that she develops sexually, that it's a lot easier to get things with looks than it is with hard work. Um, and then girl goes to college and does meh, but continues to leverage her sexuality and charm to create social opportunities and amusement until she meets some random dude and they happen to get married because she's done with the fun part. And then they get married. She feels really bad about it, even though no one told her to feel bad about it. They never go to church. Um, and then the entire generation of your grandkids aren't Christians. Both of these stories have a problem right here. Which is, what is the climax? The climax of your story is not perfect religious performance. Overcoming all odds with holiness and goodness. It's not getting it all figured out in a worldly sense. Those are bad climaxes. Anticlimactic. And I promise you for each of us, the parts in our lives that haven't gone the way that we thought they were going to go are because we had a bad idea in our mind of how perfect it was going to be. Whether someone else gave it to us or we gave it to ourselves. We get this climax, we get this ultimate moment. And then we're like, actually, this kind of sucks. Or it didn't go the way I thought. I, I kind of blew it in there somewhere. And I got diverted. I ended up going down here. Oh, I, this is, my life is over. Why even try? You know, the climax was off. The student was given some life-defining moment, and it's not really life-defining. It really isn't. Like, you don't have to get married. You don't have to go. You don't have to do anything. You can do whatever with your life. That's what I believe, by the way, if you are like, what is this heresy he's preaching? We can talk about it later if you want. <laughs> so, 
Making no mistake in life is not what makes God happy. You know, going to college and getting married is a pretty lame climax. Any of you who are married, you know it's amazing. But like, you pretty much started a new trajectory at that point. You get married and then you're like, then the kids are going to graduate. And that's my new climax. And then it's, you know, it's like we're always redefining and saying this is the actual ultimate moment. Why is that? Why did we, like some of us, we picked the ultimate moment a long time ago and we like literally have met all our goals and we're still having to make new moments. I think that's good, by the way. That's healthy. That's a good thing to do. You should be having a goal for your life. But there's something about it. They're just too small. They're just not big enough. They're anticlimactic, you know? And our stories... And the ones we give our children must be pointed at a bigger purpose than ourself. We can't be defining it based on things we can accomplish. Because when you do it, you're going to realize, like, what is the purpose of my life? I just won the Super Bowl or did something. I mean, look at all these celebrities who are, whether on purpose or just because they're just so hopeless that they get strung out on drugs, are killing themselves because they've accomplished their dreams. Why do we not think that's going to happen to us or to our kids when we give them crappy dreams? We don't give them something that's transcendent, that's beyond and bigger than you can do. Many of us feel like we're stuck in a bad story. Many of us feel like we've been told a bad story. We've been given a bad story. You know, our life is defined by the story we feel we're in. So your family is defined by the story you tell them. If we tell a bad story, a cheap story, some of us a false story, oh, we're a Christian family and then we don't live it out in our home. If your kids have never seen you pray, they will not like prayer. I'm sorry. You can tell, you can say all up and down, like, prayer is important. And, like, praying with your family is not the same as, like, you praying, by the way. Like, it has to be important in their life. So it has to be important in your life. Like, knowing that the story I'm being given by the church, and some of us, like, you're going to make stuff up. I know a lot of people out there who are like, oh, the church is filled with hypocrites. I'm like, actually, no, it's not. It's filled with people. There's a lot of different types of people, and some of them are hypocrites. But not all of them. You know, your work is filled with hypocrites too, I guess, if that's the way you look at it. Like the world is filled with people, and people are flawed. You know, we can make up stories that are false. I'm not blaming us for everything that happens in our homes. Things happen. But... It is our fault if we give a bad climax for ourselves or others. Bad goals that are just too weak, not strong enough to pull us up the hill. So the question is, what is God's true story? Jesus was a master storyteller, as you know. He told a lot of stories. He had, we call them the parables. He would say like, oh, here's what the kingdom of God is like. And then he would tell a story. You know, he was a master storyteller because his God, God is a master storyteller, right? God is a storyteller. The Bible is just a story. It's an epic. It's an epic story. It has all kinds of twists and turns and mini plots and stuff. And when you see it, you'll see like, oh, here's a story of Abraham. Abraham did this, then he did this, then he did, you know, reading the Bible and understanding the narrative stories is really, really, really important. I'm really passionate, by the way, about Bible stories. 
Like, as a youth pastor, um, I would say one ma- major criticism I have of modern parenting, um, and this is not all parents, some of you guys do a great job with this, but it doesn't seem to be the way when, when I was younger and I was raised, is, like, they don't teach their kids Bible stories anymore. Like, like, kids are showing up at youth group and they don't know the basic narrative of the Bible. They don't know, like, if I remember teaching a class of 11th graders, mostly people from our church, and they didn't know who Abraham was. And I was like, how is this possible? Like, your heritage is totally your Christian faith. Like, can you imagine, like, a Muslim person not knowing the holy book or a Jewish? Like, if you go to a Jewish school, you're going to learn the Torah, right? And we just kind of don't have that, and I think it's an easy thing to fix, by the way. Um, the biblical narrative, the Bible stories, I'm not talking theology. I'm not talking, like, I'm saying, like, this happened, and then this person, like, it's just a story, and teaching them the story will give them a framework, understand where the heck things are, and how to read the Bible. And it's like, and I think it's like, this isn't just for kids, by the way, it's for all of us. If you're like, oh, no, that's me, I don't really know the Bible story, I'm not trying to shame you. And actually, I want to give you a really cool resource. It's amazing fun. Um, it's a website. If you're like, I need to know the Bible story, this is an amazing website. It's called thebibleproject.com. If you have seen it, you know. This is amazing. It will literally do topical. You can talk. You can go through story. This is just an awesome website and really, really helpful. And, and your kids will like it too, but also you, if you're an adult, you'll like it. And this will be a great resource. And I would say, like, if you, can, if you want to add, like, one pro tip from this message is, like, like, just do Bible stories with your kids. Like, give them a biblical narrative. But so anyway, God's a storyteller. The Bible has a lot of stories, but it has an overarching story. And it's called the gospel narrative. The gospel, right? And so the gospel kind of goes like this. Creation, fall of man, incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection. We call this the already but not yet right now. That's what we're in. Here's the thing about this story. The climax already happened. Like, we won. We're in the falling action right now. The already but not yet. And a lot of times we're telling people to chase the climax instead of saying, live in this climax that we're in. We're giving ourselves or other people these goals that really, they shouldn't be chasing. They should be living. They're in freedom now, right? The purpose of the gospel is to empower us to live our best story. That's the purpose of the gospel. You know, the prosperity gospel, which I'm basically opposed to, has appropriated a lot of this kind of self-help language. Um, but there's some, something I do believe, which is, you know, this is supposed to help you live your best life. The gospel climax the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the Christian story. And it's the unified Christian story. And it's the bigger story that will help you define all your other stories. And if you're living in the resurrection of Jesus, man. So, you see, if we tell stories based on the story arc of the Bible, it's a, it's a redemptive narrative, by the way. Some of our successes and failures, we're going to define a little differently. You know, we might say like, oh, if I could only make a million dollars, right? 
That's your climax of your life. Have a million dollars in the bank. If that's the ultimate climax for your life, you might get there and not care how. If you're defining your life based on a biblical narrative, you will not get to a million dollars in the bank no matter the cost. Because your life is already defined by the gospel and you're going to be like, I'm not going to do it and be unethical and cheat and lie on my taxes. I'm not going to say to my kid, hey, you need to have people like you. Which that's the most, like, having, and, like, no one actually says that, by the way. So, like, let's be a little, <clears throat> read between the lines here, because that's what your kids are doing. Um, but, like, no, but not at all cost. Because you're defined by the climax of the cross. You're not defined by the climax of people liking you. And actually, what I want to tell Ellie is, I want people to like Jesus. I want people to like Jesus. So if they like you, I want them to like Jesus because of it. Like, that's what I'm going to give her. That's the climax of your life. Not being told you're beautiful, being beautiful. That's what I'm going to be doing because God's true story is bigger than any story I could give her. And it's already happened. You know, as a master storyteller, Jesus said it himself, it is finished. The story is done. Finite. The climax of the story of humankind was then. You know, Galatians says, for, though the law, for through the law I died to the law, so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ, so I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in, the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I live in his story now. That's my definition. I no longer live a story. I live in his story. You know, so how can I tell a better story for myself and others? Because I kind of have pushed you guys around a little today, so I apologize. Because honestly, a lot of great parents in here, a lot of amazing people, people who are like, yeah, this is me. My life is better because I'm defining it better. Hopefully what I've also done is clarify why you feel happier now that you're a Christian, by the way. Because you don't have the same old definitions. You're like, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. I used to care what everyone thought, and I don't care anymore. Why? Well, because the cross. But I think it's important, like, because I'm all about freedom and self-definition. Like, I'm big into that. Like, do what you want to do when you have good want to, by the way. Define, like, put your want to in the cross and then live it out, man. Go crazy, start a business, do whatever. Live in freedom. Don't live in bondage to fear or what other people think about you. Don't make decisions. Don't tell, the worst thing you can tell your kid to do is care about what everyone thinks. That's so whack. You know, live your life. Live your best life. And so there's this, um, there's a website, by the way, you want to check it out, um, Storyline blog, Donald Miller talks a lot about this content. He'll actually help you analyze your own story. So if you're interested in this kind of stuff, you can do it. But here's three questions they ask you to ask. And this is what I'm going to close with. And I want you to think about these three questions. How do I tell a better story for myself and others? The first question is, who am I? Who am I? So who do you say you are? You know, when you talk about yourself, 
When you think about yourself, when you define your character in a story, right? Who do you say you are? Do you say, I'm a hero, I'm the villain, I'm a victim, I'm a loser, I'm a winner, I'm an addict, I'm the savior. Who knows what it is? Like, how are you defining yourself? What's your self-talk like? What's your mental life like? Like, it's important to ask that, to be able to think about who you say you are. But then the more important thing is, and this is why you got to know the Bible, by the way, which is know who he says you are. So what does Jesus say about me? Right? You know, here's some stuff. And this is, I yoinked this directly from Donald Miller, so thank you, Don. But here's some stuff God says about you. Chosen, not forsaken, son or daughter, priest, king, beloved, saint, set apart, ambassador, co-laborer, adopted, co- I know my mom would like co-laborer, by the way. <laughs> Adopted, co-heirs, secure, new, righteous. When you look at what you say about yourself and it doesn't line up about what God says about yourself, you might be living the wrong story. And it's simple. And this is not just like, you can do it. Believe in yourself. No, believe in Jesus. Like, you actually... Some of the things we think about ourselves, they're just unsanctified, but they're true. Until you give yourself over to Christ and live through that, what he's done on the cross. But align who you say you are with who he says you are. That's the first thing is, who am I? Define that. Figure out who you are and what you want to be doing. And from a like, practical standpoint, like, what do I like? like what, do I, what am I into? The second thing is, what do you want? What do I want? Here's the thing, if what you want doesn't line up with who Jesus says you are, no matter what the climax is in your story, you're going to be disappointed. So if you're like, Jesus says I'm a king, but all you want is anyone to love you ever. Well, no, I mean, that's, that's not the actions of a person who's secure, who's chosen, who's loved. You're beloved already. Why are you making that a goal? Oh, I just need to make a bunch of money. Well, you're a king. You have the riches of heaven. You're living out a, what do you want has to line up with who you are. And you are a child of God. So live that out. But when you know, by the way, it could be awesome stuff. Like, I want to start a business. That's a great goal. Live it out. Do it. I want to have godly kids. Those are great goals. This is not me just saying you got to be looking at the sweet by and by and my only goal is to know God. I haven't said that one time, by the way. It's kind of a ridiculous goal, really, because it's like, when do I know him? He's infinite. (laughs) The goal is to have quiet times. Read the Bible. Like, these are things I want. And when I want them and they line up with who God says I am, then I ask myself this question, and this, let's make it really simple for our conclusion today. What is the first step? Not what is the ultimate climax? What do I do after? Well, you know, what's it going to be like when I have quiet time every day for five years? It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be... <laughs> what's going to be like tomorrow? <laughs> When you have a quiet time or you start reading or when you tell your kids, I'm sorry. Or when you go and you actually start learning that skill to start that thing. Whatever it is, 
Make it simple. What is the first step, not what is the end goal? And I know that's kind of counterintuitive, but it's important. We're going to today, though, the goal is simple. Align our lives with the gospel story. The first step is to make the cross the foundation of our own personal story. Um, if I could kind of give you one thing, it'd be who God says you are, what he says your priorities should be, how he evaluates you as a success or failure. A lot of us feel like failures. This has nothing to do with what God thinks. That needs to be the foundation of your story. The climax was the cross. There's nothing that's going to satisfy you. There's no ultimate moment that's bigger than that moment. That's the moment. Some of us are like, the day my kids were born was the ultimate moment in your life. And you mean it. And that's what you think. And it's like, I think it's, I had a kid, so now I can criticize you for this. Like, most anybody can have a kid. Like, and it's a great thing, by the way. Like, it was awesome. But man, that, my, that's not my ultimate moment. My ultimate moment was the cross. That defines, when I had this baby, what I do when I raise her. Like, I don't even know if I did a good job or a bad job if it wasn't for the cross. So, that's the ultimate moment. I know for some of you, it's like, how could he say that? I'm just saying the truth. And hopefully some of us, like, it's a wake-up call and, and an encouragement, and we can take the pressure off of ourselves because we've created all this false pressure on all these false ideas of what you think you should be. You're already who God made you to be. For others, the goal might be read the Bible to my kids every night or lose 20 pounds or grow my company. Awesome stuff. Live your life. Do it up. But do it knowing who you are. Thank you guys so much for your, your time. I want to pray for you guys, and then we're going to go. We apologize for taking a little longer today. There's just a lot of stuff going on in service. But uh, again, there's your Tupperware. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea whose is whose, by the way. Otherwise, I would have given it to you. Um, God, we are so grateful for the story you gave us and for all the ways that we can totally screw up, but we can't screw up enough to overcome your, the climax. There's nothing we can do. There's nothing we've already done to wash away the gospel. And we thank you that you believe in us, that you want to set us on a course and that you have already done enough to get us where we need to be. And I pray for all of us that are feeling like we've screwed up our lives, we've screwed up our kids, we have no plan or direction, that you would encourage us, God, that today we would look and go, it's just about reorienting the climax of our life and putting the cross at the top. And if we need to apologize to some people, we will do it. Um, but more than anything, God, if we need to realign who we say we are, with who you say we are and make our goals based on that. Um, I pray we would do that too, that we'd humbly go and say, God, I want to make my life about the person you say I am. Thank you for today. Thank you for our amazing church and our amazing pastors that lead us and support us. Thank you for the amazing students that have served today and have served faithfully for years. Um, 
and for the amazing volunteer leaders that serve in this youth ministry. And we pray for the next generation, God. Um, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would really just be moving in our church and moving in the students. In your name we pray, amen. Have a great day, guys.